How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and it's time for our weekend preview. I'm joined by Football London's James Benj, who is a senior reporter and he covers Arsenal. James, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, just before we dive into Arsenal versus Newcastle, um, towards the end of this podcast, you'll hear a clip from Eddie Hearn. Yes, the boxing supremo uh, spoke to Chronicle Live yesterday about the bizarre links that his father was involved in some sort of Saudi takeover of Newcastle. So hang on to the end of the episode to hear what Eddie had to say. Um, but in the meantime, James, we'll start with the best and we'll start with you ahead of Eddie Hearn there. Um, <laughs> Arsenal over in the Middle East, um, different to Newcastle, who've allowed their players to go off on separate holidays and trips. Um, do you think the fact that the players or the Arsenal players are there all together and they've had that kind of warm weather training camp will will be a benefit to them? Yeah, I do. I think it, it, you can, you know, you can kind of you have to take the sort of social media posts with a, a pinch of salt. But I think um, I think this sort of thing is always really valuable, not just in terms of working on tactics, but you know, getting the players together and, and getting the, the players and the squad familiar with each other. I think, you know, for Arsenal in particular, Mikel Arteta's basically had a, a game every four days since he's taken over. Um, so, you know, time to work on the training pitch has been limited and, and time to just sort of get to know everyone has been limited. You know, this stuff matters a lot. And I think with Arsenal, the bonds were kind of, they were fraying under Unai Emery. The, the players and the manager didn't get on. I mean, you know, there's lots of talk that some of the players were laughing about the manager behind his back as well. And I think it's just, you know, in this instance, it's, I think it's really helpful to sort of try and build that 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 sort of strong bond with with players. And I, I guess, you know, I mean, I I look at sort of Newcastle, particularly particularly sort of last season under Rafa Benitez, and I think, you know, when you've got that connection across the club you, you can achieve a lot more than you you know you might expect from the, the players you have and I think you know with Arsenal for so long they've been achieving less than than, than they do with the players less, less than they ought to with the players they have so I mean I, I think it worked really well I think it's really encouraging and a, a good use of that international winter break mm. and just to be clear you're not calling from Dubai or you're in you're in London you haven't had a, an all expenses trip out there if only, if only. No, uh, no. I've been, I've been stuck in, in rainy old London. Um, you just mentioned there the, the former manager. Obviously, he was one of the few to actually win against Newcastle at home. They've had a great record, um, which many fans uh, point to. What are, what do you think um, Arsenal will be expecting from Newcastle? Obviously, like we mentioned there they've beaten them once already. Um, but is I, it, is it, is it still very much that Arteta's learning his best side? Yeah, I do think so. I think there's a, a little bit of sort of confusion over how you lay out that that front line in particular. Arsenal have sort of five forwards vying for four spaces, and you've got 
you know, Alex Lacazette, Pepe, and um, and who's the other one? Um, so how could I forget? They're all a little bit off form. They're not making, you know, even when they're playing well, they're not making major impacts in terms of goal scoring. So you've got players like that, and then you've got Aubameyang and Martinelli, who are both playing very well. In theory, in this side, both would be in that same position wide on the left. But, you know, for both of them, there's an argument it's not even their best position. So I think Arteta is really sort of struggling to to work out how to build that front line. He's fixed the defence, which uh, was largely quite sort of chaotic. Obviously, not so much at St. James's Park. Um, but I think, you know, as a whole this season, it had been a, a disorganised and, uh, you know, there wasn't really much work from the attackers in, in terms of defending high at the pitch. Um, he's changed that, but it's kind of come at the cost of, of scoring goals now. So I think, you know, in, in terms of what Arsenal would expect from Newcastle, I think they'll know that this is quite a different team to the one they faced on the opening weekend. And I mean, unfortunately, don't get to go to St. James's Park as much as I might like, but it was a very strange atmosphere. I'm sure you'd agree that it didn't really feel like a um, didn't really feel like a a Newcastle game. I remember it being half empty, and um, it was it was very odd. It was indeed, and you mentioned there that Arteta sorted out the defence, but the, up, up top it's not really working as well. It sounds like it might be a very boring game then on Sunday because obviously Newcastle are very good defensively. That's how they've managed to really gain a lot of their points because whether it be through luck or just full-on commitment, their defence has, has stood strong. Martin Dubravka very difficult to beat up top similar to Arsenal, they just can't seem to score goals. So, do you think we're going to see a nil-nil draw on Sunday? I mean, I'm looking at sort of uh, Newcastle's results of late and Arsenal's, I definitely wouldn't rule that out. And I'm not expecting a cracker. So, uh, you know, plenty of respect to the Newcastle fans that are travelling down to London for a 4.30 kick-up on a Sunday and are probably not going to see many goals, I don't think. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you'll know more about about Newcastle than I, but that that defence just just looks like the sort of really well drilled and organised backline that it it just takes something a bit special to to beat. And I think do Arsenal have that something a bit special in the team? In theory, they do with Özil, but I mean, I don't really think that you know there's a huge amount of creativity in that side. He's not you know he's not the player he was. So breaking down in Newcastle. Uh, defence, you know, you're no better than I. It doesn't sound like it's going to be an easy task, though. No, I, mean, I think Newcastle fans have waited a long time as well to have such a strong defence with so many uh, quality centre-backs to choose from as well because a few, like Cher and Lejeune, may even be on, on the bench. You mentioned Ozil there. Um, what is the matter with him? Because, you know, if you asked somebody a couple of years ago, Ozil was one of the best in the world, Um but he's just he's just dropped from that level. Is it an issue with him? Is it an issue with Arsenal? Is it a bit of both? I mean, what's happening there? So I think you almost have two separate storylines that played out here. I mean, you know, there's the sort of pre-Arteta Mesa Özil where he and Unai Emery just didn't get on. Unai Emery didn't want him in the team. Arsenal wanted him off, and they still do. They want him off the wage bill. He earns three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week that's not really affordable for Arsenal for a player of his age. And I mean, if they could sell him in the summer, they'd be delighted to, they'd be more than happy to get that, that wage bill off. But 
I think I think the issue is that that, that then you know someone like Emery saw Arteta uh, sorry saw Özil as a passenger. He saw some him as someone that's not really going to make major contributions defensively. Now since Arteta's come in, um, Arteta has just said. Messer, I think you can make those contributions defensively, and it turns out that Özil can. He's been, you know, he's been a far better player at the uh, at the defensive end of the pitch than I think many of us imagined he could be. Um, he presses energetically. He, you know, he works back. He, he, he's never going to be a you know a top tough tackling midfielder, but he just makes sure there's another body there, and I think that's been really helpful. But what it means is then he's not getting in positions to to make those killer passes and you know a lot of his passes under Arteta more, more of them are going backwards than forwards um so I think you know it's it's a really odd odd thing now where he's, he's he just needs those direct contributions to goals to, to to sort of get to get you know the doubters off his back I think he's he's certainly better than he was you know under Emery um but ultimately if you're paying someone all that money you need them to. You need them to make you know real direct contributions on the score sheet. You need them to be the ones playing the passes to Abamyang, to Lacazette, um, and even chipping in with goals themselves. And there's just been absolutely none of that this season. It's it's no goals and one assist in all competitions. It's really not good enough. And do you expect him to start on Sunday? I mean, obviously they've been away. They've had uh, like we say that warm, warm weather training camp. Um, you foresee any wholesale changes? No, not 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 in particular. I think you know most of that team that that started against Burnley should be available. I think potentially at left back there's a bit of an issue whether Bukayo Saka or said Kalasnaka are fit, so it might be a bit of an avenue for um, for Newcastle there in terms of areas to attack. That 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 left side could be quite weak. But further forward, I mean, I think we'll see roughly that same for for Martinelli right, Abamyang left, Özil and and Lacazette as the two more central options. The big one is whether Lacazette can can keep starting because he's not finding the net. Uh, I think it's a, a nine-game goal drought is longest in the in the Arsenal team. He's another one that's you know doing a lot of other work for the team, but again, you want to see those those direct contributions in front of goal. So potentially Pepe comes in uh, on the right, and then Martinelli moves left, and Aubameyang goes through the middle. So it's not a bad position if you're Mikel Arteta when you're you know weighing up whether or not to start Gabriel Martinelli or um, or Nicolas Pepe. It, 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 decent options to have, but um, it's a bit of a puzzler that one. And I think that's the only thing that Steve Bruce will be wondering. How does he expect? Uh, how does he expect Arsenal to line up? Um, so the so the atmosphere has changed for the better since Arteta's come in. And you've mentioned there that Ozil's looking like a bit of a better player. Um, but the results only one win, um, a defeat against Chelsea, and then the rest have been draws. Are you expecting it to click at some point? And do you think Sunday might be that that match where it does just everything just fits into place? I am expecting some something like a click because. You know, you, you're seeing progress every week. The defence just looks pretty solid now, and you're seeing individual players that are improving significantly. Obviously, there have been a few draws, but, you know, there was a 2-2 draw away to Chelsea when you were down to 10 men. That was a really encouraging result. Even the, the defeat to Chelsea, Arsenal played so well in the first half. The performances that they just weren't bringing out for Unai Emery. Do I think it will click against Newcastle? Probably not, because, you know, that a Steve Bruce team, like... You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I know there seems to be a lot of debate about how well you know Newcastle are actually playing and how much the the table is 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 you know overestimating how well they're doing. But 
they just seem like a really difficult, frustrating and niggly team to play against. So it doesn't feel like a game where Arsenal are going to really be able to go through the motions and, and show off everything they can do. Um, I do think they might win it, though, but I, I think it will be a really tough, tough game. You mentioned there that the opinion of Steve Bruce is saying, I think you've got it spot on. Um, they aren't playing well. It's it's absolutely abysmal to watch, but um, they're fully committed. They're working together, and you can't really measure that team spirit in terms of what it, what it brings. And, you know, it's brought Newcastle into a good position further up the tail than they thought. And I think the fact that they've beaten the likes of uh, Spurs and Manchester United already this season and given other teams a really uh, good going, you know, those teams up the top end of the table, it will be a difficult game for Arsenal. Um, I mean, interestingly, the side story is that Miguel Arteta was, was high on the list for Newcastle um, to replace yes. Rafa Benitez. Um, I mean, obviously working with Pep Guardiola at Man City, he's, he's, he's learned from one of the best managers in the world. Do you think it was always the Arsenal job for him? Um, I don't necessarily think it was. Uh, I, I think that was one that was really was tempting enough to convince Arteta to make the move earlier than he would have liked to and I, I kind of get the sense or got the sense that at least in, you know this season Arteta was was keen to stay with, with Guardiola I mean whether that was you know at the start of the season it might have been um, you know winning the league for the third time in a row even even now obviously there's you know trying to win that Champions League for the first time at City I, I think it was going to be tough to get him away this season but I think you know at the end of the season, I think if if Arteta hadn't gone to to Arsenal, I don't see any reason why um, he wouldn't have been in the in the running at Newcastle again. If that vacancy had opened up, he's a he's a really interesting manager, and I think he's he's clearly learned a lot from Guardiola and would have been a a great addition. I think at, at St James's Park. I don't know if that sort of squad would have would have perfectly suited um, you know a more expansive game plan and. Obviously, I think in terms of timing and everything, when Rafa left, was Arteta the right choice? It's really difficult to be sure because you you want to be building something long-term there. And I I do think potentially what Newcastle needed this season was a safe pair of hands. Now, obviously, I don't know the club anywhere near as as well as you guys. So um, I do think it could have been a a really intriguing gamble to see Arteta at, at Newcastle, though. And I think in terms of... If fans are getting frustrated with the the lack of expansive play, I do think that's something he would have looked to, to implement in that in that Newcastle team and maybe get more out of players like Almiron and, and Joe Ellington. Like, at the same time, you're then like, is are they the sort of players that would re, you know that Arteta could really get top level performances out of? It, it's a difficult one to to know, but I. I think, you know, had timings worked out a bit differently, I think Arteta would probably have been very interested in the, the Newcastle job and I think if, eventually he would have done quite well. I think he would have been a great choice at Newcastle. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the North East number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. 
It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Back to Sunday then. Give me Arsenal's one main strength and Arsenal's one main weakness that Steve Bruce and Newcastle should look to um, to attack? The main strength, going forward at least, has got to be, however they line up, line it up, it's going to be the left flank. Um, really dangerous, whether it's um, Martinelli or Aubameyang um, playing in that position because the, the, the interplay and how Arteta's made sort of what seem like weaknesses into strengths. You've got you know the the fact that every single one of their left backs who's available is quite cavalier. They really like getting forward. So you've got someone like said Kalasanak. He might be back and, and fit at the weekend. He can't really defend, but uh, he can he can offer really powerful overlapping runs. Um, and what the the way Arteta's made the most out of that is Granite Xhaka will drop into a sort of left sided centre back slash left back role uh, and offer the cover that allows. Kalasanac to really bomb on, and the same with Pukayo Saka as well. And then with those runs, Aubameyang can drift in field and combine with Lacazette. It's really challenging. It's where a lot of Arsenal's best attacking players come from. Um, and it's something I would certainly uh, be looking to try and neuter if I was Steve Bruce. I mean, in terms of their weaknesses, almost, you know, I think the issue is still that centre-back pairing. It's not entirely convincing. And I think if you compress them, they're not still the most comfortable playing out from the back. David Luiz does it well. Mustafi, though, if he plays, he's easily spooked. Socrates is not comfortable playing out from the back. Burnt Leno is sometimes a little bit shaky in terms of the passes he gives. So if you're really willing to commit men high up the field and press press Arsenal, press their centre-backs, you know, we've seen games against Watford this season that, that they will make mistakes. Um, it's quite a risky strategy, of course, because if Arsenal can break through that press and David Luiz is doing that really well and, and Pablo Mari, if he starts left-footed centre-back gives you another angle out of, uh, out of the press, you know, that if they can break through, then they've got so many good attacking players who can punish you. But I think if Bruce was willing to just take that risk and gamble and say, I'm going to make Arsenal centre-backs know that they're in for a fight today, that they're going to get pressed. I think it could be really effective, but as I say, it's a bit of a gamble. Mm. I mean, it was interesting because against Norwich, um, again, a team that likes to play out, and you could tell the likes of Grant Hanley and uh, they were very nervous on the ball, but Newcastle just didn't capitalise on, mm. on the chances to uh, press them. And when they did, there was a few mistakes, but um, it, it certainly will be interesting to see if, if Steve Bruce um, does take that gamble. Uh, in terms of Newcastle, then, what are you... I suppose most looking forward to see seeing what are you which player are you most looking forward to seeing? <laughs> Obviously, I think, I think like everyone when they uh, see Newcastle, I can't wait to see um, Alan San Maximan. I can't even remember if he played on the opening weekend or. Um, I don't particularly remember a huge amount from him, but obviously, you know, you kind of watch him on TV now and he's he's an absolute joy to watch. He's he is just he's one of those players you 
for me, I always kind of associate with the sort of classic Newcastles of like the 90s and, you know, the the early noughties. He's someone that, that you just get up off your seat uh, and watch when he's playing. I'm really, I hope that, I hope that Bruce starts, Tim. I, you know, I don't know what uh, what that team's looking like being for um, for this weekend, but he, and he's someone that, that Arsenal fans as well will really love that, you know, that sort of direct winger, plenty of tricks in his bag and always willing to take on and commit defenders. He's he's really exciting. Um I haven't uh, yeah, Miguel Almeron sounds like he's really um improved of late. Um and I think, you know, he, he could be such a quality player and then uh at the back, Martin uh, Martin Dubravka. I don't know if any Arsenal fan is looking forward to seeing him though, because uh, he's he's a really good goalkeeper. Um, and someone that, you know, I think when the time comes, uh, you know, if any top club is looking for a goalkeeper across Europe, I think they should be looking at Dubravka and, and the amazing work he's done at Newcastle for several years now. So, but yeah, I mean, Sat Maximan, I can't wait. He's the reason to go to the Emirates on Sunday. Mm, well, he obviously won that FA Cup replay against Oxford for Newcastle. He has been on a break, but he's been in the gym training in, in some, uh, in, a, in a very, how shall we say, interesting Burberry uh, <laughs> suit. Um, you can see that video on our website. It's interesting style. Um, we'll find out tomorrow in Cyprus's press conference, which is Friday, if he is is fit and, and ready to go. We we assume he will be. Who will be the man? Do you think marking him then? When and will he be able to handle him? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, so it, it, I I mean he usually plays off the right. I'm if I, am I right in thinking there? Right, which girl? Well, no, actually, depend. He's usually on. So yes, Arsenal's right. So Newcastle's yeah. left. Yes. So then you're looking at, at Hector Bellerin, probably who um, who who has improved a lot as a defender over recent years, and he's lost a bit of pace. But I think you know he might just be able to keep up with Sam Maximan. But you know that would be a real challenge for Bellerin, and obviously. He's still working his way back to, to full fitness after that knee injury he suffered about just over a year ago. Um, so I think this will certainly be a really good and challenging test for him, uh, and one that he might he might struggle with a little bit. Obviously, you know, potentially if I was Steve Bruce, I'd also be looking at do I want to push Sam Maxman over to the Newcastle right and and get him at Saka or at Kalasenak because. They're both good going forward, and Saka's a hard worker, but they are not natural defensive left backs. So you're saying there, there is a chance, obviously, for Newcastle to exploit that defence, then? Definitely, definitely. If you were, if you, if you, as I say, there's, there's the the pressing, but also just you know, if you run at those fullbacks, they're certainly a lot better uh, going forward than they are going backwards. And finally, then, uh, before I get your score prediction, what is the view on Newcastle from Arsenal fans? Is this a game that Arsenal fans are expecting to win? Um, our Football editor Mark Douglas on the podcast last week said he would actually fancy this game more than the Burnley game coming up because um, Newcastle are going to be able to play on Sunday the way they like. That's not have a lot of the ball hit Arsenal on the counter, whereas against Burnley they may be expected to have a bit more of the ball than 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 the, the kind of setup allows. So, mm. um, what's your, what's your, what's your view? Um, I think Arsenal fans will well well. Not that I would necessarily say they'd be critical of Newcastle, but I think they will be expecting Arsenal to win quite comfortably and they'll really want to see an improvement in, in Arsenal's attacking play. So potentially, you know, if Newcastle do play, as you say, the way they like and they set out to stifle this team 
you know, you you can always turn the crowd against uh, against Arsenal. I remember Lewis Dunk said much the same when uh, when Brighton won at the Emirates a couple of months back. He sort of spoke about how if you can just frustrate the crowd, you can have a really good chance um, at this stadium. It, it's less, you know, the atmosphere is less difficult, less fractious than it was under Unai Emery and even Freddie Youngberg. But you know. Arsenal will look at Newcastle as the sort of team. Arsenal fans will look at Newcastle as the sort of team they should be beating quite comfortably. I think they're probably wrong there, but um, they will be expecting a big win and they will be expecting early goals. And I think if you can just frustrate them for the first hour, there's a real good chance of uh, of getting a result there. So I I, I think as you, as you say, this could be a game that that plays into Steve Bruce's hands where. You don't have to throw men forward. You just have to let Arsenal do a lot of the work for you. And your score prediction then? Uh, despite what I said, I still fancy Arsenal to to win this. I think it might be a bit of a tough one, but I think I'd go maybe two 0 to Arsenal. Um, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't rule out a Newcastle win, but I think Arsenal should just about have the quality up front. And after a couple of weeks, they should look a little bit better in terms of applying it. So yeah, two 0 to Arsenal. Well, there you have it. That's James Bench from Football London. James, thank you for giving us the inside track uh, on Sunday's opponent's Arsenal. My pleasure. So there you have it, uh, Arsenal versus Newcastle on Sunday. You can follow that through a live blog. And just to wrap up the podcast, um, here's a clip from Eddie Hearn, who spoke to me yesterday at the press conference promoting Lewis Ritson's next fight, which is on April the 4th. Um, over the weekend, uh, Eddie Hearn's father, Barry, was linked to a Newcastle United takeover and speaking to Eddie, he sounded as bemused as the rest of us to where that link came from. Fortunately, I'd love to tell you it was truth, but it's absolute rubbish. I don't know whether our name was used to try and leverage the price of the football club, uh, but no, not one discussion, not involved with any discussions. Have you ever met Amanda Stavely? Who? I, I don't know. I mean, you could speak to him. About, I, I spoke to him about it last night because he said, oh, you got the Newcastle press. He said, oh, they'll probably ask you about the football. I said, anything? He said, absolute rubbish. He said, uh, you know, he, he, like I say, literally, uh, obviously we got we do a lot of business in Saudi Arabia, so maybe it's just like, you know, oh, well, we're speaking to the Hearns, you know, Saudi Arabia, interested. So, unfortunately not. Well, there you have it. Um, we had asked the question and no better place to get a denial than from someone like Eddie himself. Terms On terms of the takeover, we are really no further forward than we were uh, a few days ago from the last podcast Mark uh, did where he kind of poured his heart and notebook out to you guys, to our listeners, um, other than really having uh, a source close to the room with us confirm that they are part of this consortium. Um, but apart from that, it's gone all quiet. And I, I guess the question is whether no news is good news. Of course, these talks um, have been going on a long while. Reports in the Wall Street Journal um, suggest they've been going on um, since early 2019. And a lot of questions will be asked to just whether uh, or just why it's taken this long and then why it was leaked and why we're still no further forward. And of course, only the main players can answer that question obviously Mike Ashley was at the game against Oxford will he be there against Arsenal at the Emirates in London easy for him to get to is that him sending out a message apparently he's um, very uh, happy with the cup run he's, he's, he's kind of going along with cup fever um, according to certain people so it'll be interesting to see whether he's there on Sunday um, and yeah I mean it's just it's just frustrating it would be good to get an answer one way 
or another but like i say it's all quiet of course questions raised over why newcastle would be on 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 the portfolio of uh, the PIF, the Saudi Investment Fund, um, considering the, the investments they have made over the past few years, billion dollar investments. Um, but you can head over to our website to see an interview with the governor of the PIF that was taken last year at a business conference where he actually explains that as long as the rate of return is is kind of good in context of how much money they've paid for, their, for whatever, an investment or business, then they're happy um, with that, it doesn't necessarily have to be a billion dollar investment. It's about what they get out of the investment and what it brings back to Saudi Arabia. Um, and for everything else, Newcastle United, including Steve Bruce's press conference, do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.